Welcome to The Process Podcast, a show on managing the ups and downs of our work lives, our creativity, of bringing meaningful and impactful work into the world. I'm Marcela Chamorro, your host, an executive coach specializing in empowering leaders on people-first teams like Doist, Honeycomb, GitLab, and more. With everyone that I coach, I work to maximize their performance, but also their well-being. And I'm also an online creator. Apart from this podcast, I write a newsletter called Self-Work, and I've created an online course called Courageous Conversations, which helps people master even the most difficult interactions. Everything I do centers around helping you do your best work, but also feel your best in the process. On this show, The Process Podcast, you'll listen to interviews with successful entrepreneurs, authors, founders from all walks of life who tell their stories and share what has worked for them and what hasn't, including how to avoid burnout, when to put themselves first, what advice to follow when making a big life or business change, and more. Get ready to dive into topics such as community coaching, psychedelics, successes, and failures, and all sorts of tools, habits, and systems that can help you improve your performance and also your well-being. This is the second episode of the reboot of the Process Podcast, and I'm bringing you an interview with Nathan Barry, founder and CEO of ConvertKit, a creator marketing platform that, as of this recording, brings in over $40 million in annual recurring revenue. I first interviewed Nathan over 10 years ago, and I'm pumped to bring him on today to talk about how his journey has unfolded since then, particularly the ups and downs, the extreme downs, of the roller coaster that was building ConvertKit up to the 80-person team that it is today. I asked Nathan, I asked Nathan to be on the show after watching a documentary about him on YouTube, where he discusses his mental health in a very candid way. In this conversation, he opens up about the toll entrepreneurship has taken on his mental health and how he's taking care of himself today. Here's my conversation with Nathan. So when I, when I saw your, your documentary, it really moved me because most people don't talk about the, the things that we go through internally mm-hmm. when we're creating. And I, first of all, I applaud you for sharing your story. Thanks. So thank you for doing that. Um, I definitely was very reluctant, which I mean, that, some of that came through in the documentary. But the very first question that Isa asked me, Isa, our storyteller, is which I didn't expect is like, why did it take so long? You know, but yeah, yeah, I was to tell your story. Yeah, why did because she kept asking, you know, will you can we do a story about you? And I kept saying like, no. And I think I put her off for probably two years, maybe before I finally agreed to do it. Um, but she's what changed your mind? I think. A couple of things. First, seeing just what a good job she and Henry did on all, like a whole series of stories. Um, you know, it's not the first one they've done. It's the 20th or something. And so seeing that play out and then also I had this idea that I didn't want the spotlight to be on me. Like in the very early days it was for ConvertKit. Right, because it's like indie developer doing, you know, just trying to make something out of nothing. Then I think it served ConvertKit really well for the brand to go to grow much further beyond me. And I even had this interaction where I was this was I don't know three four years, probably four or five years ago now. I was going to Denver and I emailed um, some top customers in Denver and said, "Hey, you know, I'm the founder of ConvertKit. I'm going to be in town. Would love to meet up." And someone was like, you're not the founder. What? 
like they were, they didn't say this, but their reaction when we did meet up for coffee, they were like, you're not the founder of ConvertKit. Like there's some woman that's the founder of ConvertKit. And it's because they had thought that um, Isa, who was teaching our webinars at the time, was the founder. Because that's who was most visible. And we ended up having a great conversation about it. She like, like, looked at it. It's like, oh, okay, you are in fact the founder. But I kind of liked that. I liked that the brand and the team was growing um, bigger than my profile. But then we hired a new uh, product marketer, a woman named Frances, who she's amazing. She grew Teachable uh, for a long time and then I joined us. And when she came in, the first thing she did was a whole bunch of like customer research and industry research. And one thing that she found is that like people were connecting a lot with how I built the company and my story. And, and she's like, this is a big asset. Like a lot of people are, you know, become converted customers Founder because brand. of yeah. the story and the journey. And so we need to lean into that. And so the, like the combination of Issa being persistent, Francis saying like, I mean, the market research says you should do this. And then the side, uh, Issa, and then our uh, VP of operations, Ashley, who's been on the team for, gosh, eight years now or something. Both of them were really just encouraging me to like tell the full story, not just like, here's the chart that goes up and to the right. And here's all of that, yeah. but like really lean into it. Um, and have that like pay it forward with the story idea. Because uh, basically they were both encouraging me. Like the world doesn't need another like I did ABC and then I got these amazing results. You should do A, B, and C as well. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like the world doesn't need another story like that. Like the world needs an authentic story. And so kind of those things over the course of a year or so, like coming up consistently, that's what we be like, okay. I'll finally say yes. Uh, it was a great experience. And then... Yeah, you know. I got I to watch it. customer. And I've seen Yeah. That. I remember your, your, your blog post that you put out in real time. Remember this? And you were like, I'm going all in. Yep. I remember that. Probably, probably January 2015, maybe. So only... Yes. Eight, eight years I actually ago. looked up my, my invoices. And I, I think my first invoice for convert shit was like either late 2013 or early 2014, I don't remember, but yeah. So uh, that's I, that the very very beginning. You know, the web app challenge which I did to start ConvertKit was January 2013 to June 2013. So you would have been, you know, right in there of that like the, the very beginning of yeah, the stages. Yeah, and then I remember you going all in, and then that's when the chart started going up and to the right. And I remember you published some numbers uh, and following mm -hmm. along because you always publish your numbers for your eBooks. Yeah, and I always felt I found that really inspiring. Um, and then you started publishing for a convert kit, and that's when it started going. So I mean, like I've been following along online all these years pre convert kit, you know, yep. and I've seen all the things that how the team has grown. I think your website says eighty yep. team members now. I mean, that's that's a huge accomplishment and must be so fun. Um, it is. Did they know that you were going through what you were going through back then? I mean, when you went through like that really intense mental health challenge, mm -hmm. was it still just you? Or was yeah, there a it few was me people? and then um, a couple of contractors. Okay. So that was actually the time. Well, let me think about this. It was before the decision to go all in. And actually a part of that decision was talking to, I can't remember which version of this I, I, I tell in the documentary, but 
maybe I, maybe I tell both versions, but um, the there were sort of two conversations I had with my wife, and this would be late 2014, so like 18 months, two years into ConvertKit, and this decision to like go all in on ConvertKit or shut it down, you know, because basically two years in, revenue is actually declining, and the version of the conversation that I remember is talking to my wife and saying, like, I think, I think we should do this. Like, we go all in and make it happen. And she was saying, you know, basically she was on board. She was like, yeah, worst case scenario, like we could sell the house we just bought. We could move back in with her parents. Um, you know, like we yeah, could figure it out. Children. Yeah, with a, a two-year-old and a six-month-old, <laughs> you know, four-month-old. Um, yeah. And so something like she walked through her worst-case scenario. Like if, this, if we go all in, put our savings into it, and this doesn't work, this is her worst-case scenario. And I was like totally shocked by that because I was like, no. My worst-case scenario is that I get a job as like a software designer <laughs> at a company making you know, eighty, ninety thousand dollars a year or something, and we'll be just fine. Or I, or I go back to the like, ebook world or something else, right? Like, you know, Tim Ferriss actually talks a lot about that, about writing out your worst case scenario and how to walk yourself back from it. Like, yeah. that's one of the exercises. Like the that fear setting. kind of, uh huh, yeah, yeah, and saying like, okay, what am I? Like, actually naming what am I truly afraid of. So what was powerful for me in that is I was trying to decide like, okay, should I go all in? Because then I might end up in this spot. And is that okay? And my wife Hillary was saying like, should, should you go all in? Because we might end up in this spot, which is way, way worse. And she's like, yeah, that's totally fine. We can work. And someone was like, oh, when, you're, when your, I guess, pain or risk tolerance is significantly higher than mine, then all right, that's very bright. And so that was the, you know, the support permission that I needed in order to go all in. Now, what was interesting is like a few years later, we were after ConvertKit had taken off and um, we'd probably grown from like less than 2000 a month in revenue to well over 500,000 and, you know, and paid off. We were kind of, we were talking about that conversation and she remembered it differently. Because, like, she remembered all the things that she was thinking but didn't say. Mm. And the, there was one side of it where she said, like, I remembered everything that she had said, and she remembered that in the same way. But what she hadn't said is, this is the first thing that she had seen me have, like, a spark or interest towards. In, More than your ebooks. In, in, like, six months. Because mm. to back up a little bit, for anyone who hasn't watched the documentary, I had like the most prolific time of my life, right? I wrote three books, uh, wrote a thousand words a day for 600 days in a row. And then we built I had out. your app. I just remembered your commit, <laughs> commit app. I had that app. Yep. Yes, I did. Yeah, you, wow. you had it all. Um, so I had that streak going. I had started ConvertKit. That had gone well. Um, I was probably making two hundred fifty thousand a year off of ebooks, and it was just tons of momentum going really, really well. And then I remember my goal was to make 
250000 for the year. In January, February, and March of that year, I'd made almost $50,000 a month. And so I was like, I'm way ahead of pace in my goal. Yeah. And so from maybe the four-hour work week perspective or something, I was like, I'm going to take a step back. Um, we're, we're, we bought a house. I decided to be the general contractor as we remodeled it. Uh, we had a new baby. Um, all of that, a bunch of things happened at once. And what ended up happening is I woke up one day with a rash down my leg. And I remember calling my brother because he's a physician's assistant. He like, first I went through like, did we change laundry detergent? Like, any, do I have an allergic mm-hmm. reaction or something? And I called him up and I went, uh, and I like described it to him. And he goes, uh, does it follow a dermatological distribution? And I was like, I have no idea what that means. Like, <laughs> more details, please. <laughs> like, speak English. He's like, yeah. just Google it. And so I Google it and it shows, and it's basically like, does it follow the pattern of your nerves? Yeah. And so like, I Google that image and, you know, and it shows like, the pattern of your nerves in your body. And I look, I'm like, yeah, it completely does. He's like, yeah, you have shingles, go to the doctor. <laughs> um, and Which so is incredibly I, painful. It, it, yes. It wasn't at the time. Um, it was just annoying. I went in to the doctor and I was like in this mode, I had a two week old baby. Well, so the question they, they asked was like, um, yep, you have shingles. Is there anything in your life that causes elevated stress? And I was like, yeah, I'm remodeling a house that we just moved into. I have a two-week-old baby. You know, I have my, like, self-employed business that I'm running and all that. And the doctor laughed. I didn't think it was funny, but they laughed. They're like, yep, that'll do it. <laughs> and so they, like, prescribed antivirals and then painkillers. And um, I don't like, I was like, I, I've broken my leg before and a bunch of painkillers. And I, I don't like the serious painkillers now. Um, you know, I wanted, like, mental clarity and uh, really... Mm-hmm. Um, can mess with that. And so I took the antivirals prescription, but declined the painkillers prescription. And they're like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I'll take Tylenol. Uh, that was at like 10 in the morning at 2 p.m. I called them back and was like, oh, please. <laughs> I'll take the painkillers prescription. And they're like, oh, we already called it in. We we knew you were going to want it. And we just said like, we won't try to convince him in the moment. We'll just sit and talk there. Wait until his body tells him that he does need them. But what ended up happening is kind of two things. I, the end result is I spent six months not really working. Like I would try to sit down and work. I felt like I couldn't. I didn't have the ability either because of pain or like brain fog from the painkillers. And then something from like a mental... It's really important to understand where you get your self-worth. Yeah. Absolutely. And I got a lot of my self-worth from the work I pushed. Right. And I think just to, to set like the stage for that, you were, as well as I was following along your journey, there were many people that were following yeah. along your journey in that moment. And now there are very prolific creators making a lot of money on the interwebs, but I don't want to say it was the Wild Wild West back then, but you were one of the first people to publicly say, look, look how well this is going for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see how quickly that can get wrapped up. In, and you were very young as well, which yeah, added another element 24. of like inspiration, you know, to, right? to that story. So yeah, I, I, I can see where that can happen. Yeah. So I ended up sort of, uh, it's, 
often in the, let's see, it's important in life to think about vicious cycles and virtuous cycles mm-hmm. because they can feed each other. I talk a lot about flywheels now and, and yeah. flywheels can both have a, a similar thing of, um, you have these cycles, but a virtuous cycle is like the more you're doing, the more you learn, the better results that you're getting, the more opportunities you have, which is the more you're doing and so on. Um, yeah. That's a virtuous cycle. The vicious cycle that I fell into is the more I tried to work, the like it, I struggled to get things done, which made me very frustrated, which made it harder to get things done, which meant that I tried harder and failed more. And and I got to the point where I just felt like I couldn't. Um, uh, so the mindset was just like spiraling oh, along totally. with your physical um, ailments. Yeah. yeah. And so I spent probably six months in that in that place of um, being quite depressed, like struggling with suicide ideation, all of that. And so when my wife, you know, that other side of the story at that, like, hey, like having the little spark towards ConvertKit uh, and saying, hey, like, I think I might want to do this. She was, there were things that she said, but what she didn't say is like, maybe like, Sure, let's try anything because maybe really? maybe this will be the thing that like gets them yeah. out of this uh six mm-hmm. month um slump. And you know, it was not an easy journey out of it, but it ended up being an important part of that. And so that was yeah, that was a whole part of the story that I finally got to tell in the documentary. Very reluctantly. <laughs> but you know, it was good to to get that out there because I think now creators are so open with so many things of the businesses that we build and the results and you get to see the follower accounts and you know whatever else the conference speaking gigs um but you end up feeling this disconnect between you're like oh you know she's out there living this perfect life and um i'm over here trying to do similar things and struggling with like the business results and mental health and everything else and just feels like this big disconnect when in reality like the person living the perfect life is probably struggling with many of the same things oh absolutely and i think that's one of the reasons why i feel so passionately about this podcast which is a virtuous cycle for me mm-hmm. um the more people i talk to about managing the ups and downs of like their work life or their creative life the more first of all it's almost like it's not even personal research it's almost like personal coaching for me like there's I've recorded eight episodes thus far of this season. You're my ninth. And mm-hmm. I already have so many notes of like, David Sphinx said this that really helped me. Uh, and, and of course, I'm doing it to help others and to publish them, but it's also helpful to me. Um, what I am curious about is, all right, so ConvertKit takes off and then you have a new set of challenges, right? Of course, they're yeah. exciting challenges, um, but at the same time, it is still a challenge to go from you and a few contractors to 80, to go from 2000 MRR or whatever to 500. You, all of that growth implies new learning curves, new mindset challenges. How did you, how did that play out for you? Yeah. So, I mean, there was a bunch of different moments and thresholds in it. Um, when I write a year in review post every year. I always title it something. The year I, I like the TV show Friends, and they have this um, 
title the form one for every episode where they, so they say the one where or the one yeah. with, you know, um, whatever, right? The one where Ross and Rachel have a baby or the one, you know, anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so for my annual review, uh, I always title it the same format. And it's like the year that whatever. And I think it must have been 2016, something like that. Um, ConvertKit had grown a lot. Uh, 2015, we'd grown from zero from 2,000 a month to 100,000 a month. In 2016, we were growing. Uh, we ended up growing 100,000 to 500,000 a month um, that year. So it's just absolutely wild. And I had this moment where we had our first team retreat, and we had 21 people on the team, and we got everyone together in like this big cabin in the mountains of Idaho. It was amazing to meet people for the first time. Some people had, we'd been working together for a couple of years. Others had joined like a week or a month before. But we were all meeting for the first time working together. And that first night, we all gathered together like in the big living room of this cabin. And I was enjoying that moment. And then I realized like everyone's waiting for something. I'm waiting for something too. Like who's going to... You know, like we're all gathered. Who's who's going to talk? Mm-hmm. Who's running the show here? And I had this moment of realizing like, oh, that's me. They're waiting for me. And so I, I titled that year in review post the year that I became CEO, right? Of actually stepping into a new role, right? It's a very different role to go from an indie hacker working on, you know, yourself or with three or four other contractors or full-time team members to like, oh, I now lead a team of 20 people that's now going to be 30 and beyond. So there's been a ton of skills uh, to build in that. And a lot of it hasn't been natural, right? Like I'm not the person who I'm like, we hired a new webinar producer. His name is Shiv. He's amazing. And the first time he came to a team retreat, you were like, right. you are used to being the life of the party. You make everyone excited. You have this level of energy. And that is like built into your personality and uh, like you're not having to work for this. I'm the person who's like, okay, here we go. Let's turn it on. Have yourself up. Yeah. Yeah. And let's show up. But you do it. Something that I do want to call out is from everything that I can tell online is that the culture at ConvertKit is very people first. And I'm very drawn to that kind of culture, obviously. But having worked in a people first culture before, um, I recognize how much of a blessing that can be for each of the individuals that is involved in the culture, like those 80 plus their families, you know, et cetera. So that's a whole nother skill set. So you have a lot of intentionality, even mm-hmm. if it's not something that comes natural to you to turn it on and, and be the one leading, you know, the gathering or whatever. You built those skills intentionally, which is a lot of people don't do. When I build uh, systems and rituals as well, and they're well documented. So for example, yeah. if you take something like a team retreat, we have very specific things that we follow. Like even so the first night of a team retreat, this, this got established gradually over time. But one of the things that we do is we gather the whole group um, for profit sharing and celebrations. And so what we deliberately do is we, we kick things off just by like shouting out around the circle, like 
things that we accomplished over the last six months. It's not specific people necessarily, but it's like, oh, we shipped this feature. We landed this customer. We pulled off craft and commerce, our event, you know, any of these other things. And just we're such a hard driving team that it's easy to like always think about what's next or what's not going well and how do we fix it, that that's an important ritual for us to like pause and celebrate what we accomplished over the last six months, who we added to the team, who we promoted, any of those things. Um, and then we do a, uh, like a moment of celebration or sorry, uh, we go from celebrations and we go into profit sharing, which is a key part of our culture of basically this idea that we exist to help creators earn a living. That's why the company is around. We're creators as well. And so we should get, um, you know, substantial profits from them. So more than half of the profits that Converge generates goes to the team. And so we have this moment where we pass out cards to everybody and they open it and it's got handwritten notes from all the execs. Um, and then it has their profit sharing amount in it. And everything is calculated from a formula. So you can sit, you know, the person you're sitting next to, you can see like, oh, we, you know, we both got $15,000 because we joined the team at about the same time. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing that we do there is we just go around, like whoever wants to share talks about either what they plan to do with the money or what it means to them. And it helps bring people together, like helps you understand the journey that other people on the teams are on. So for example, uh, you know, at this last one, you get everything from someone being like, I'm uh, using profit sharing to buy this Gucci belt that I've wanted, you know? And you're like, all right, that's awesome. Someone else is like, I just paid off the last of my student loans. Um, someone else said, this like finishes out the down payment for the house that I'm buying for my grandmother. Someone else said, this is like, lets me buy the investment home that I've been wanting to do. Like you get this whole range of things and they range from like yeah. fun and goofy to like, you know, serious and meaningful and like almost make you want to cry uh, because yeah. you realize like your work played a role in someone achieving uh, their goals. But all of this is planned out and even down to, you know, I have a document in like a standard operating procedure for how we do this section of a team retreat. And I can give that to my event planning team and say, Okay, I don't want, this doesn't happen in a ballroom. You know, this happens in a circle. It should be comfy. There should be pillows and blankets. It should be, yeah. you know, outdoors. Like, can we get the lights like this? Can we, you know, all of these things. And there's photos of here are the times that we've done it really well. Like, this is the kind of setting to emulate. Um, and I think that level of learning from each time it goes well, learning from things I'm like, oh, I tweak this next time and writing it down means that I can create these experiences the way that I want without a lot of work. And it doesn't require me to like really turn it on and have that right energy that day. Like I could have an off day and still facilitate that really well because it doesn't rely on me and it's so well uh, documented and planned out. And that's, that's one of the skills that, that you said that you worked on, but like, you mentioned that first retreat and you said it was like 21 people. Now you've yeah. got 80, right? And then it's not just retreats. It's managing all of the work that goes into shipping new features to customer, um, customer service, et cetera. At the point that ConvertKit is right now, which is it's 
it's almost, it's really incredible to see, like to think about what it was like just Nathan on a computer and, you know, in the beginning to what it is now. Yep. What to you is like the next, the next frontier? Yeah, well, so ConvertKit has had a single business model of subscription revenue, you know, pretty typical software as a service. Uh, for the first, oh, nine years that we existed, something like that. And then last year, I guess two years ago, we started to change it a little bit. We kept the core and we added on payment processing. That's a new revenue stream for us. Um, you know, allowing people to sell digital products through converted commerce. Yeah. And then we added in our sponsor network, uh, which is basically us saying, hey, if you want to sell sponsorships in your newsletter, we'll do it all for you. You know, we'll negotiate the deals, we'll handle all the reporting, the ad copy, uh, everything. Um, and then from there, we really added this. Well, we acquired a company called Sparkly. And what that allowed us to do is add in this, uh, this marketplace for growing your newsletter and earning money. So instead of paying Facebook to, you know, for ads to grow your newsletter, you can pay other creators. And so in, I guess in like an 18 month period, we went from being, this is the way the business operates of a bunch of siloed customers, all getting a, a service and value to now it's, it's all networks. It's all about how can we connect creators? And so the next phase of everything in the business is, is really, yeah, about networks and um, building up our creator network and connecting, seeing what magic can we help happen by creating connecting other creators with each other. Um, so it's kind of fun, like exactly 10 years in to be working on basically ConvertKit 2.0. It's mm -hmm. not like an iterative iteration of it. It's a fundamentally different way of operating. And going back to our mission of we exist to help creators in a living, like now we're just paying out millions and millions of dollars directly to creators every month. Whereas before we're like, oh yeah, we'll help give you the tools to help you earn on other platforms or something yeah. like that. But now it's like, no, we just straight up pay creators. Last month was $2 million and uh, it's, it's growing fast. So I think the next, that's the next thing for ConvertKit. The next thing for me is really figuring out like an entirely new set of skills to run basically two-sided marketplaces, which is a fundamentally different type of business. Um, mm -hmm. So we'll see how that goes. As you speak, I see like the excitement oh, in yeah. your face, but I'm also curious. I don't, because sometimes excitement, um, I don't want to say it's going to wane, but it, sometimes it's not enough <laughs> to withstand like the hardships, you know, along the path, like nothing is, is smooth. I'm curious what you do to prevent any like mental health challenges. Like what is kind of, you I mean you mentioned rituals and 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 systems mm -hmm. for ConvertKit. What about for you? Yeah, I mean, there's a few different things. Um, the first thing is trying to have a little bit of space from the business. There, now with a team of eighty people, my individual effort can't have that much of a uh, impact on the business. If there's five people and you put in yeah. twice as much effort as before. Like the overall output in the business is probably up 30, 40, 50% if you did that. Now, when there's 80 people, if you put in like, or 
Herculean effort, right? And you go all in. Maybe overall output in the business increases 5%, you know, 2%. It's, it's going to be pretty small. It's more than a drop in the bucket, but like not by a lot. And so something that I've been really trying to do is take a step back and spend more time thinking strategically about how the business operates, where the bottlenecks are, the next strategy, you know, what company we're going to acquire. And so for that, it's not only time and space, but also having the right tools to help process ideas. And so like, I'm a huge fan of executive coaching and I've worked with the same executive coach for, I don't know, four years now, four and a half years. And that it's basically, you know, people say like, oh, I just need time and space to process this. And it's like, yeah, I, that's right. You do. But also, wouldn't it be great to have a facilitator for that? Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's like, oh, no, facilitation is for like group sessions, you know? And it's like, okay, but let's say that, you know, all of your ideas that you can't pin down and you don't know how they fit together. What if someone was there to help you do that? Um, not through advice necessarily, but through great questions. And so that's been huge for me. If the, um, the forcing function, you know, basically every other week of like, okay, what are the biggest problems that I'm trying to figure out? Um, and then to get, to get out and operate on that level, basically, and to, to try to sort them out. So those are the big things I would say at this point is uh, time and space, working with an executive coach, and then really investing in the right leadership team. Uh, and then coaching and developing them. Yeah, because, I mean, the space, you said ConvertKit 2.0 is fundamentally different, right? And the space is also fundamentally different than it was, you know? Yeah. Five years ago, there was like that morning brew change. I mean, you know better than me because you're in this space 100% of your time. Um, but I feel like there was this morning brew change and then now there are like, this, you know, the acquisitions of newsletters and like this whole other vibe yeah. when it comes to, to creator life. So that's a whole different ball game in shields. Um, mm -hmm. How does you, how do you think about kind of navigating that? Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of things happening, right? So we've always had a ton of competition in the sense that the email marketing industry is absolutely very, there was very MailChimp and like, yeah. Yeah. Like we could, you and I have been around the space for a very long time. So we've probably rattle off. I came over 20, from MailChimp that yeah, a million years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Probably 20 companies or more that are doing yeah. 10, 20, 30 million plus a year in revenue. Um, there's a bunch that are a hundred million, you know, MailChimp's a billion a year in revenue. So if you think about, I tell this to the team, uh, we're 40 million a year in revenue. MailChimp's a billion a year in revenue. So we're not 40% of MailChimp's revenue. We're 4%, you yeah. know? And so when you think about the size of the market, it's huge. There's all these other companies, ActiveCampaign and Clavio and uh, Confusionsoft and whoever else, right? They're, they're all wildly successful businesses way, way beyond our scale. But we'd never had direct competitors before, right? People, we had companies that cared about the creative market as part of their broader thing, or companies like MailChimp that didn't care about the creative market, but happened to have a huge portion of it just because they had a huge portion of the overall market. And so it was really the shift in the last probably three years of having companies like 
Flowdesk, Substack, Beehive, some of these others that are new and carving off a different slice of the creator market specifically. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, you know, for years we felt like we had direct competitors. Uh, but really, we were directly competing for a market that they indirectly own. Yeah. And so it's been really interesting the last couple of years and a big pivot for us to have these direct competitions from like creator focused companies like us. And so that's interesting of, of like this switching from being the underdog to uh, being careful to not become the incumbent, mm-hmm. you know? And so like just thinking about, okay, what, what skills and traits did we have in the early days that allowed us to compete so effectively? And how do we make sure that we maintain them? Like one thing that we deeply believe in is building the best product, right? Like I've seen companies that have amazing marketing and mediocre product and eventually that stalled out of it. Uh, and so I think of marketing as an amplifier on a great product. And so our velocity that we can improve the product is really important. So we make sure that we ship at least one meaningful feature every single week, no matter what. And yeah. that's been a, you know, a habit uh, that we've established in order to, uh, you know, make sure that we stay competitive for a very, very. So ConvertKit 2.0, like when is that happening? Is I mean, it's happening right you're now. Starting? It's happening right now. Okay. Yeah. So our sponsor network has been out for a year. That was probably the first time it's like, well, hold on. This is different. No one's done. No email marketing company has ever launched a sponsorship network before. Like that was the, the very first time it had been done. And then uh, we launched our creator network, which is the free recommendations between creators. And that, that's been wild. Like, uh, I just posted the other day, I get 50 to 75 new subscribers a day from Creator Network, just from other creators recommending my newsletter. Um, and I hear all kinds of stories, right? Um, uh, there was this creator who posted about how it took him, what was it? It was something like nine months to get 500 subscribers. And then after he joined Creator Network and partnered up with people who are like really investing in growth, it was something ridiculous. He got 500 more in like a matter of weeks. Um, yeah. And then at the high end, like Ryan Holiday for his Daily Stoic newsletter has picked up, I think it's like 125,000 subscribers in the last, what would that be, five months basically? So he's getting 25,000 subscribers a month off of... Hashtag goals. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he writes an incredible newsletter and has the profile yeah. that he has and relationships and everything. But like his newsletter is growing... Uh, more than 10% month over month um, based just off of Creator Network. And so that has been huge and it's still so early there. And then with the acquisition of Sparkloop, now there's the paid recommendations where you can say basically, you know, I'll pay other creators to recommend my newsletter or I'll get paid mm-hmm. uh, to recommend newsletters. Space. Yeah. yeah. And what I love about that is there's no minimums. Like if you think about like, especially when you and I started online, um, selling digital products was the primary way that people were uh, earning a good living. But that requires some level of established audience and expertise. Like, that's not the thing that you do two weeks after starting your newsletter, you know? Yeah. What's interesting with paid recommendations is you could turn that on from day one. Mm-hmm. And you might only be making $5 a week off of it because there's a, only a handful of people coming in. But I like to think about 
maybe that creator who is super new, they start their newsletter. They're really excited. They're growing it. They get their first 50 people. They've got paid recommendations turned on. Maybe, maybe they get their first 200 people. I don't know. But at some point, something happens in life and they stall out, right? Whatever wave they caught to get the first couple hundred people, they can't figure it out. They get discouraged and they're maybe thinking, ah, is this for me? And then somewhere in there in about a month's delay, right? They get their first payment from converted or paid recommendations. And it's like $48. And that's one of those things. Like it's such an important moment to make your first dollar on the internet. Oh, absolutely. I was going to say that. Once you make a dollar online, you want more, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Of all the drugs that we can get people hooked on. Like that's not bad. That's one that will actually help you pay your mortgage. And so I love the idea of that being the spark that gets them to go, okay, yeah, I'm going to push through this dip and turn it into something really meaningful. Well, I think absolutely, because what you want really is to enable creators to bring their gifts to the world. And if it takes that $5, you know, to, if that is helping to keep them motivated and to keep creating, um, then absolutely. Let's bring more of that unique gift to the world, you know? Um, when I think about the so many stories that we encounter, when you read the story or hear someone talk about it on a podcast, it's this like perfect hockey stick, you know, mm-hmm. or like I consistent results over a long period of time and just that compounded. But when you dig in, if you actually look at those graphs, my guess is, and from what I've seen, is there's a bunch of um, stack S curves, meaning that yeah. uh, something did not work at all. And they figured out something that worked and it climbed like that sharp part of an S and then it, it tapers off again, right? And doesn't work. And so you have to figure out those things. But ultimately what it means is every journey has a lot of dips. That's was true for ConvertKit, right? That dip is yep. getting 2000 a month in revenue and then it's sliding down, me wondering, should I shut this down? And so if we can provide, you know, the funding, motivation, encouragement for people to get through that dip and then to get that $47 check for paid recommendations, you know, uh, and them to push through the dip and say, okay, let me try this for another three to six months. Then um, that's going to be so many amazing stories and value for the world and value for the audiences that wouldn't have otherwise happened. We just talked about making some money per week for uh, just starting out. I think people might be, their interest might be peaked. <laughs> yeah. So go, if you go to convertkit.com, then you can sign up for a free account. It's free for up to a thousand subscribers. Um, really easy to get started. And then I think what's really interesting is Creator Network. So if you go to creatornetwork.com, you can see all the creators in there. A lot of people that I see failing as a creator try to make it a solo game. They're doing this on their own. And the ones that I see have the most success are the ones who realize that being a creator is a multiplayer. Yeah. Right? It's who you are able to build relationships with. That's why conferences honestly are so good is it's not because the content from the stage is truly life-changing. Like I'm sure you'll pick things up that will have a huge impact, but it's the other people that you meet who have similar goals and that you stay in touch with them and form a mastermind group and, you know, keep encouraging each other and giving advice and all of that and accountability. That's where the power is. 
And so we're trying to create more and more of that in creator network of basically saying, hey, not only can we team up and give each other advice and encouragement, but we can actually recommend each other's newsletters automatically all day, every day. And so then, you know, we're seeing like 50% faster growth for newsletters and creator networks. And so that's the thing that I really encourage people to do is to say like, you create an account, establish your newsletter, and then find people on the same journey and say, hey, let's partner up. Let's recommend each other and let's encourage each other. And then that will help you get through those dips. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nathan Barry, founder and CEO of ConvertKit. You can check out their creator marketing platform at convertkit.com. Actually, my newsletter runs on it. And also, you can check out Nathan's work as a creator himself at nathanberry.com. You can sign up for my own newsletter, Self Work, and find all the show notes for this episode at marcella.co. That's M-A-R-C-E-L-L-A dot C-O. And on there, you'll find a free quiz that I developed called the Growth Quiz, which will help you unlock the next stage of your growth. What direction should you grow into next? What is the next step that you should take to grow, not just as a person, but also professionally? Check that out. It's completely free at marcella.co. Anyway, thank you again for listening to The Process Podcast. A very special thank you to Nathan for being on the show and for sharing all of his ups and downs with us. I'll be back next week with a new episode. Talk to you then.